The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. K-State men's basketball goes 2-0 last week. The K-State women go 1-1. And more milestones for Aoka Lee. Welcome into Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Hope to be joined by Athletic Director Gene Taylor in hour two. I know he's doing some traveling today. So that's not set in stone, but we're going to try to make it happen, of course. But we understand he's a busy guy. Also, we'll try to get to some K-State football, including the hiring of Thad Ward, who's going to be the wide receivers coach, and it's the last hire for head coach Chris Kleiman heading into the 2022 season. Uh, Skyler Thompson, Russ East playing in the Shrine Bowl. Hopefully they help their stock for the NFL draft coming up in April. We got a four two, full two hours with you here on News Radio KMAN. And why not? I suppose we can just go ahead and jump into K State men's basketball and going 2 0. It's that part of the year where you're entering your final stretch of the season, and it's all Big 12 play from here on out. Yeah, K-State's still on the bubble-ish, even though they're right now sitting at a record of 12-10. and 10. They're an outside chance right now. They get, the odds are against them, but they're trying to play postseason basketball, and they still have a chance. So when you have Oklahoma State, a team you haven't played yet, but they're a 500 team. TCU has a great record. They're middle of the pack in the Big 12, and you have a chance to beat them on the road. You want to go win those games. And K-State went to Fort Worth, Texas, and one on Saturday. One on a final shot by Nigel Pack against Oklahoma State. Yeah, they found out some ways to win. So overall, you know, a productive week going 2-0 and and setting up this final stretch of the last eight games of the regular season. Yeah, with eight to go, you're 4-6. and six. You could certainly argue they should be and could be better than that. I, I understand that. I mean, there have been opportunities there. Uh, there have been, you know, some things along the way that have probably kept them down a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think you have to tip your cap to the guys. They did have a really good week in, in rebounding. They beat a really solid and athletic Oklahoma State team at home last Wednesday. Uh, and you mentioned Nigel got the game winner with just over two seconds to go. Uh, but but probably, frankly, even more impressive going on the road to TCU and winning. TCU had won five out of seven. They were 40th in the net. Uh, which is pretty darn good. <laughs> yes, they played without Mike Miles, which certainly was a was a big factor uh, for sure. But but the reality of it is is the Frogs got the first bucket of the game, and K State was the better team for the other nearly thirty nine minutes. And uh, I I think the real key to the week was the fact that it wasn't just the combination of Mark Smith and Nigel Pack. It was a lot better basketball, both ends of the floor, and more people with their hand in it than what we had seen in the previous couple of ball games. Yes, it's been a little bit up and down. Part of that is the the more elite teams that you're playing in the league. We've 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 seen Kansas kind of separate here, but but I, th- I think there's Kansas, and then I think there's you could argue Baylor or Tech or Tech and Baylor. But not a lot of separation after that. And so you're going to get tight, tough, tense games, and that's what we saw. And, and, and you got you know, some pretty good play for you know, a couple of games uh, after really just a minute and 58 seconds in the Ole Miss game, as an example from Davion. 
Mike McGurl had a really, really, really nice week. We, we could probably talk about him. I mean, he had a 10-rebound game and, and then uh, followed that up with a 13-point game at TCU. And then, you know, Carlton Lingard's another interesting story. Carlton's, for the most part, been hurt the whole time he's been here. And, and yet in the last month or month and a half, he's been healthy. He's been able to practice every day. Um, and he's just gotten a little bit better. He still needs to get stronger. There's no doubt about that, but he has helped a little bit, uh, and probably a little less for Masood and, and Casey and Kasupki, but yet they are you know, kind of getting in there and getting a few minutes here and there. Ish played 19 minutes in the game on Saturday and, and just about three and a half for Luke and almost just short of seven for Casey. So uh, everybody did their, did their part, I think. I will admit on Saturday, the K-State men and women were playing at the same time. Right. So I was trying to watch both games at the same time. So I I, I can't give you the, the best <laughs> synopsis of K-State and TCU, but I do want to bounce back to the Oklahoma State game for just a moment. Sure. So maybe you could even compare the two in a way where it was, in a way, kind of a game of runs. In the Oklahoma State game, you have league change after league change. There was 11 total. In the TCU game, K-State does grab a lead. But TCU would battle back off and on, but K-State would find a way to stretch it back out to three or four possessions, and K-State wins that TCU game. 75-63, a 12-point win. That win against Oklahoma State was a three-point victory, 71-68. But Nigel Pack is the savior in the Oklahoma State game where K-State needed a bucket, six seconds left, and he knocks down the long triple. Now, right away... Bruce Weber mentioned in postgame how they're trying to set up a shot in the corner. I kind of like the way it, it, it did wind up with the play because options one, two, three blocked up. So the safety valve is Nigel Pack over the top at midcourt. In that way, at least the ball is in your shooter's hand and he's one-on-one with the defender. Sure, I really like that. If it's a deep three, we know Nigel's probably the best guy to hit that shot. And he, he took it early enough to where he knew he had space, he could launch the shot, and you just crossed your fingers that Nigel hits his first three of the second half, and he did. He sure did. And and I thought he made a really nice play, not just making the shot and the setup to get to the shot, but the save of the ball out near the 10-second line because they were a little bit hurried getting it in. Uh, and the pass was a little bit away from him, but he just has such a, a nice feel, uh, made the, the catch right near the 10-second line, and then was able to get a little bit of separation too, uh, and then make the shot. All of that was after he made a really, really nice play to, to defensively to give K-State a chance in those waning seven-ish seconds. So I, I'm with you. I, I think with this team, we've seen enough of Nigel Pack in conference play that you want the ball in his hands with the game on the line. If there's somebody out there that needs to make the shot, from my, for my money, he's going to be the guy every single time. Um, and, and he delivered. There were a couple of other games where he didn't, but he had good looks. And frankly, that's about all you can ask for. Again, I think this was a, a game for K-State – that they needed to win. Uh, if you don't, I'm not sure they go to TCU and win just just from the standpoint of the mental side of it because they had been, you know, beaten down a little bit. I mean, you look at their schedule. You go, the the game at Baylor was not a good performance. No, it it wasn't, and, and it followed the 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 beat down by Kansas in the second half. Honestly, I hate to put it that way, but that's kind of what it was. 
and then you go to Ole Miss, I think people have started to notice a little bit that like K-State, Ole Miss might not be what you think they are. They're probably a little better than you really think, and especially talent-wise with their big kid. And unfortunately for them, after beating K-State, their point guard tears his knee up the following Monday night at LSU, but they are an athletic team and and a talented team. I, I think what I'm saying is is K-State is probably better than the perception uh, with the record uh, the way it is. I mean, let's be honest, man. I know woulda, shoulda, coulda. I get that. But I, I profess that with a full stacked deck or your entire group available, I can make an argument for you that they should have won the game with TCU. They should have anyway. Yep. And the game with West Virginia. You realize how big a difference this team would be perceived at six and four as opposed to four and six? Big difference. Monumental difference. Monumentally different. They might be switching places where like Oklahoma is right now, where Oklahoma is just one game better really half a game better than K State overall at thirteen and ten. But I suppose the biggest difference would be You, you know, know where they are? at six and four instead of four and six, they're Texas. Yeah. You know, you know where Texas is in the net? <laughs> They're in the top 30. Top 30. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying K-State would be in the top 30 because they had, you know, the non-conferences aren't totally equatable there. But you get the idea. They would be in the talk and in the reference points and all of those kind of things. And and we've seen this league play out. Most nights, there's just not a lot of difference in the teams. You know, there are nights where, like KU-Baylor Saturday. I mean, KU shot 50% and Baylor shot less than 30 Mm-hmm. It happens. But I think K-State has proven that when they're, when they're better offensively and, and, and for longer periods of time, with the way they defend against a lot of the teams in this league, they can compete. They can. Doesn't, I know the perception, however, is, is that they're one of the you know, two worst teams in the league. And, and consistently, I guess if you look at it, I, I get both sides. But I think they are still, and I've said this before. I, I think they're still evolving and getting better as a team too. And you got to you got to give them a little bit of that room, right? Yeah, the Marquette loss that's probably yeah. still haunting them a little bit. The KU loss, you can sure. argue there's a lot of those losses Virginia, that they had were Oklahoma, so close. Of course, they were close losses that yeah. you're just gonna if they don't end up making it to postseason play, you're gonna think about what if they won a couple of those games, and there's no doubt. But you know, maybe they could play Ghostbusters down the stretch of this season and. <laughs> and say, I ain't afraid of those ghosts anymore because we proved everybody wrong and we, we got to some postseason play. That Oklahoma State game was so necessary for them to win. First of all, it's home, mm-hmm. and it's your first look at the Cowboys, who you know is right next to you, in the, not only in the standings, but just overall 500 team that has shown at times they could be really good, but also have been a, a disappointment. And I was starting to get really worried because you have guys like Rondell Walker, who shouldn't be hitting threes, and he gets four of them. And I remember there was a stretch this season. It took him like 13 games to hit four threes. I was like, come on, this guy's going off. <laughs> well, he's a better player than your – but not a three-point shooter. No. I, I get the point. Well, but, it, but he is a good player. He's just not a three-point shooter. And we saw that the other night out of Damian Baugh, too. It, he's hit like six or seven yeah. threes against K-State and like four against the rest of the world. Yep. <laughs> so uh, it Of happens. course it happens to your team, right? <laughs> right. But, but like Bryce Thompson as well, he was getting away with getting to the hoop and yep. scoring a lot. Uh, and he was keeping Oklahoma State in that game. I was like, man, yeah. just 
stop these guys and you're going to comfortably win this game. And it was a contest. K-State wasn't playing too well defensively because Oklahoma State was shooting pretty well. And that was without shooting exactly lights out from three-point range, even though the Cowboys hit eight of them. But they took 32 attempts. Or I'm sorry, they took 25 attempts. But they only hit eight of them for 32%. Yeah, and and then you know Keelan Boone has made some threes. You're right, but but this, generally speaking, both Oklahoma State and TCU are not necessarily good three point shooting teams. Yeah, and that's I guess what I'm saying. I, I think if you really study the league, you know that's one area where K State is probably able to separate themselves from a handful of those, or not maybe a handful, but two or three of those types of teams because. When they get paint touches and play inside out and, and get the ball moved from side to side and get better looks at three, K-State has been better from three this year. And it's it's quite a bit better. There's a real difference between 29% and 33 or 34% on three-point shots. That's, that's just obvious. I do want to bring up a couple of things about the TCU game. First of all, since you were there Saturday, they announced the attendance of 7,500 and it was their second best attended game of all time at Schollmeyer. And the best for their student section. Was it was it legit like that full? Yes. It was virtually okay. full. And I had talked to to Brian and John, our our radio counterparts, and they were both expecting either a sellout or a near sellout with the quote blackout and the the little thing they called called it in the they called it Defend Fort Dixon for for Jan- Fort like in okay. playing off Fort Dix for Jamie Dixon, but okay. they were stoked, man. They they had won five out of seven, as I mentioned. They had played really. I mean, other than the stinker game they had at home against Texas, they'd been pretty good. They they went to Iowa State and dusted them. They went to Oklahoma and dusted them. I mean, they led by eight, nine, ten, twelve points the whole night. So I understand why they were excited. And, and I'm sure they're saying today, well, if we'd had Mike Miles, we'd have won the K-State game too. And they may be right. But but the other thing, too, <laughs> you remember now, they had they had um, the a couple of games canceled, uh, postponed early, early yeah. b- because of COVID. So, yeah, this game was really big for them to win because, in reality, if you look at what they have left, they still have Tech twice, Baylor twice, Kansas twice, at oh. Texas. So <laughs> Yeah, it's a little tough, isn't it? <laughs> it doesn't look as good as it did Friday night for them as it does here Monday afternoon at 420. If I'm TCU, I'm like, Big 12, why can't we spread these out a little bit? You right. know, Why are we playing these teams twice towards the end of the season? I don't like that too much. Right, Pretty heavy there towards the end. But the whole Mike Miles thing, I the reason I the, I heard on your broadcast, right. he was out an hour before tip. I'm like, well, yeah, that's pretty big. But the thing is, every team has beaten a team that was down, that's especially right. during these times with COVID-19 and COVID protocol. It was just K-State's time to be maybe a little bit lucky against an opponent who's down a player. Advantage cats, you take it all day and win a game like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, when the committee starts looking at resumes, they're not going to be like, oh, well, Mike Miles was out for that TCU game. We right. maybe not consider that so well of a win for the Cats. But take that quad one victory and run out of TCU and Fort Worth, Texas with that victory. And Nigel Pack was huge in both games. He's hitting some clutch threes. I was glad to see Ish Masood hit a big three when K-State was starting to spread that lead out again. I, I do want to mention Carlton Lingard. I think, he is, I think he's earned the spot to be the – 
the second string guy at the five. Move Casey Eziegu down to that third spot. Davion Bradford and, and Carlton Lingard, they combined in the game for nine points and four of five from the field. So limited touches, but at least they were getting them to go. The thing about Davion Bradford, maybe just fouling a little bit too much. Yeah, and he's got to – I mean, he kind of got a little – I'll say sideways with the emotion, with a little ruckus there versus Eddie Lampkin. You've got to be able to let that go and just play. He's still a very young player and and those kind of things. But he has been better of late as he continues to come back from all of the things that he has been through, including the pneumonia. I think he is getting in a little bit better shape, and he's you know he's he's played a few more minutes, and he's also dealt with the hip injury, which is significant too. And so I, I got to give him a little bit of credit. He's been better, especially this last week. You hope that uh, he can be that, and maybe just a little bit more, because K State is a little more difficult to beat when when he gives them you know, some quality minutes, even if it is like what he played Saturday, you know, 16, 17 minutes. Those are important minutes. They just are. Let's take a timeout. Our first break on Wildcat Insider. And when we come back, we got to talk Aoka Lee. She has reached another milestone as of Saturday night. And that's not done there. You're listening to Wildcat Insider on KMAN. As we return to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson, Sage Williams with us as well. Uh, I want to give a shout to Briley Glenn, K-State women's basketball guard and freshman, was named Big 12 Freshman of the Week for the third time this season. She has received the honor three times. Serena Sendell has received the honor three times. And then uh, Briley's sister, Jalen, has received it once. So seven combined Freshman of the Week in the Big 12 for K-State women's basketball this season. To put that into perspective... I believe this is week 13 of the college basketball season. So think about that for a moment. <laughs> so getting it half of the That's time pretty, dominant. pretty much. Yeah. Pretty dominant. That is pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, for for Briley last week, averaging 16.5 points, shooting 56.5%. That's 13 out of 23. 40% from three. Also averaging three assists, two and a half rebounds, two steals. And at Iowa State, a career high 19 points. 17 of that was in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately for K-State women's basketball lately, I don't know what it's been between road and home games. They always get off to a good start at home, for instance, on Saturday night when they beat Texas Tech by 7, 82-75, which, by the way, you have two of the best players in the Big 12 going head-to-head, Aoka Lee and Vivian Gray. The Cats got out to a 14-2 run to start the game. And for some reason, in first quarters, in the last three road games, K-State is a combined 7 of 43 from the floor for 16%. It's just weird. I think there are probably some factors that go into that, if I'm not mistaken. One of those road games was in Waco? Uh, Waco. And uh, I'm sorry, they're Ames. playing Waco on Wednesday. Okay. Maybe. But they did play in Ames oh, I guess and it also was Texas. Texas. That, yeah. It was Texas, you're right. And then yeah. the other one is Texas Tech. Yeah. And, and as good as these freshman guards have been, it's harder on the road than at home when you're I young bet. like that and you're visiting for the first time. Uh, and and I can't speak for the Texas game. I didn't see really a single second of it. Well, it was on that Longhorn Network. How could you? <laughs> but I think Iowa State, after seeing um, 
Yoki here uh, probably did a better job of, of trying to get her surrounded and and I think fronted and backed and sided in every every other way to try to Huggins Coach Huggins taught me a long time ago um, the way to keep a player from scoring is not let them have the ball to begin with and I think they probably did a fairly decent job of that that's a good strategy yes it's hard. But you, you let a really, really, really good player have the ball, you see your chances of slowing her he he or her down. That uh that Iowa State game on the road against number eleven Cyclones, Iowa State won seventy to fifty five. K State gets down early. Yep. And they're just cl- trying to claw their way back and hard to come back like that against a team that is that solid, don't you think? It and, is and well coached and they're they're they draw up there. It's a I mean, they they love their basketball in Iowa. You got to give it to them. Yeah, they're averaging they like do. nine thousand fans it's a game. Crazy. Their names. Yeah. I mean, hey, give credit to Iowa State fans. They show up for their teams. I like that a lot. Yep. yep. I, I will say though, K State fans have been showing up lately for the K State women. Fifty five hundred. Absolutely. At this last game, which is this season high, love to see that. And if we do get Gene on in the next hour, I do want to ask him about if he has any numbers on that last ticket promotion they did. The sixty one dollars for the last five home games and season tickets for next year. That'll be uh, – I'm sure – I heard it went really well. I, I'd love to hear some specifics, exactly how well it went. That'd be very interesting to hear. Aokley, though, against Texas Tech on Saturday, she became the 13th player in program history to score 1,500 or more career points. She had a total of, in that game against Texas Tech, 31 on 12 of 15 from the floor and 7 of 9 from the free throw line. I will say they are very good at free throw shooting, this well, team. And that almost refutes what I tried to say a moment ago about Iowa State, and I think it shows you in some ways how well Iowa State played defense that night. Mm-hmm. For her, think about this, in 30 minutes and 20 seconds, she had 31 points, was 12 of 15, 7 of 9 at the foul line, was 7 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 turnovers, 3 blocks, plus 21 on the plus minus. Are you kidding me? Well, and it also helps that the freshmen are going out there hitting threes in that first quarter when they are trying to lock down Yoki. So maybe it opens up things a little bit more for sure. Space it out if you're hitting shots. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Casey only hit one three for the rest of the game after that first quarter because they got Yoki going and they were getting to the free throw line. Sure, They uh, took a lot of free throws in that game. Uh, But I want to mention a few more things about Aoka Lee in that performance. So she is actually the fastest player in program history to reach 1,500 career points. And she did it in 77 career games. She is the first player in the history of women's basketball at K-State to achieve the 1,000-point mark and the 1,500-point mark in a single season. She did it in a span of 21 games, which if you do the math, in 21 games to score 500 points, you would have to score 24 points a game to get that done. And she scored 1,000 against Western Kentucky back on November 14th. So it was done in less than three months. So Aokali continues to, if you think she couldn't impress you more, she continues to do it by hitting these milestones at a pretty fast pace. And for those that have been around K-State men and women's basketball for a long time, Think about what you just said. The fastest of 1,500 in the history of the program, and K-State's women's history in basketball is pretty good. Pretty good, yes. Um, To to do that faster than – and I'll probably regret trying to start naming so many players, but uh, all the way back to – you know, players like Priscilla Gary and and some of those, and then some that we saw here in the early 2000s with 
Wecker and Oldie and Kane and are you kidding me? I started Brittany doing Chambers. Some, I mean, you just oh, go yeah. on and on. <laughs> Lori, yeah, Kane was the Big 12 three-point shooting leader until Taylor Robertson came around. Sure. The uh, the pride of McPherson, Kansas. Now, I, I started doing some math because I, I think sooner or later, Aoka Lee will officially submit herself as the best player in K-State women's basketball history. Uh, I'm, I'm predicting that well in the future. You know, she has another season to play, of course. But she... If everything goes well, she's going to pass Kendra Wecker, who is the points and rebounds leader Mm -hmm. of all time. Aoka Lee is uh, 831 points away from passing Kendra Wecker, and she is exactly 300 rebounds away from passing Kendra Wecker. So think about that, though, and she may do it, and you may may be right. By the time she walks out of here, she may indeed be the best uh, and considered the best and, and pass all of those marks. But think about the athlete that Kendra Wecker was and the, and the standard and what you're dealing with with Yoki. That's, that's what you should be thinking about. It's extraordinary to think that she has a shot to do that. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she's going to do it in a four-year span. She, I, I highly doubt she would stick around for her sixth year of eligibility, that extra year with, with, the, with COVID. Um, now, I was looking at her numbers as well in rebounding, and she also hit another milestone, if I look this up real quick. Uh, but she had seven rebounds against Texas Tech, and she has now increased that total to 788, and she passed Shailen Martin and Eileen Feeney, who played back in the late 70s for 10th all-time in school history. So she is now a top-10 rebounder in K-State women's basketball history two and a half years into uh, her career, yeah. that, where she's actually played. Yeah, it, it's really, I mean, we could talk for the rest of the show about what she's done and where she's headed and how difficult she is to guard and the type of individual she is and, you know, the team around her trying to, you know, do special things with, with all of that. And it, it's really, I, and I think the, the gate has proven that. You, you talked about to have, you know, 5,000 or so or what have you for those games is, is awesome. Let's, let's see if we can even better that here the rest of the way out. Not to mention, K-State, Jeff Mitty has three freshmen who are fighting for Big 12 Freshman of the Year. There you go. It seems like right mm-hmm. now. I would still maybe lean. See, I, I was leaning a couple weeks ago, uh, Serena Sundell, because her assist numbers are off the charts, especially as a freshman. But I think all three of them really have an argument. But maybe Jalen Glenn might have an argument for you know being a, a good three-point shooter. And sure. They, they all do something really well. Um, Serena, her numbers lately shooting the basketball have been low, but she's been when she goes to the free throw line, she's almost automatic. And when it comes to free throws, and you know, women's basketball back in the it wasn't too long ago where they didn't shoot the free throws that well, and maybe hurt them in a few games. That's not an issue anymore. And especially with the next class coming in, you have Moppin, and also uh, I'm forgetting her name, but the girl from here in Kansas. I don't know why I'm forgetting her name right now, but uh, she's a leading scorer in the state of Kansas, uh, Taryn Sides. Yeah. There we go. I believe that's her name. Um, leading scorer in the state of Kansas. And they're going to come in and soon and really hopefully tear things up in the class of 2023. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's unique. And with all that said, you know, it is difficult in this league, and this is a, a hard week. You go to Waco on Wednesday, you go to Lawrence on Saturday, and let's see how they fare with that. Should be fun. Uh, that Baylor game is going to be tough, and that's they play at the same time as the men who are hosting Baylor. The mm-hmm. women are at Baylor. Hate that when they put them at the same time because I want to watch both of them. But 
I'll be in Bramlage for the men's game, of course. When we come back, old Skylar Thompson Rusky still playing a little bit of football in a Wildcat helmet. That's up next. Mitch and Wyatt back with you on Wildcat Insider, recapping what the Cats have done in the last week. K-State men's basketball going 2-0, Aoki Lee reaching the 1,500-point plateau, and she's continuing to climb. Kendra Wecker, she had, I think she had like 2,333 or something like that. It's, I'm ballparking it there, and career points, which just is insane. Yes. Nicole Lee would have been second on that, and of course played together, and Man, that was a team. You were mentioning to me off air how Kendra Wecker, not only a great basketball player, but track and field athlete as well. And and I remember those days quite well because I'm a Clay Center kid, and I was in grade school slash middle school at the time. A- or, uh, uh, Nicole Oldie made her run as a Wildcat. I remember those days quite well because the town, a lot of people weren't in town uh, when the K-State women were playing home games. Sure. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember being on a catbacker trip one time and L. Roberson was telling the story about just playing at the wreck and he really didn't know yet who Kendra Wecker was. He said, I found out really, really fast. Well, in, in about two plays. What, what's so interesting is Kendra Wecker was from Marysville, so she and Nicole Oldie played against each other in high sure. school and then became uh, teammates under Deb Patterson. Yeah. So Deb ha- really had some recruits kind of fall in her lap, and boy, things were off and running at that point. I mean, I those were some really great days. Oh boy, I remember. Yeah. I remember some of the old media guys. They would tell me stories about how when they would come cover basketball games, the women's beat. That's the one you wanted. The men, of course, weren't so great back then. Sure. So they didn't really want to cover the men. It was the women they wanted to cover because that was the big show in town during the winter. Yeah, they were drawing really big crowds in those days. There's. No question about that. And um, very exciting basketball to watch. I mean, (laughs) at that stretch where they had um, Kendra, Nicole, and Lori all at the same time. I mean, you talk about those were three of the – I don't know how many of of the top – what what you'd want to say, maybe 20 players of all time in Kansas girls high school basketball. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, at least the top 20. Yeah. so it kind of gives you a pretty good sense, and and that's not all they had either. They had other players on that team. I, it, it was it was, they they were fun to watch. And they remember, were drawing big time, but they always couldn't get past like the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Like they would just well, kind it's of, hard to do that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's the thing. It always kind of left you wanting more, you know. Sure, but those yeah. are still some amazing teams. Speaking yeah. of uh, some amazing players, uh, a couple of Wildcats getting an opportunity to play one more time in a Wildcat helmet. I didn't look too closely to see what other logos they had on their helmets because, you know, they the guys would trade stickers. I did notice there were a couple of players that had the Cat uh, Scripps logo really? on their helmet. There that. was a player for Colorado that had a Cat hmm. Scripps. I'm like, well, th- these other players can wear the Cat Scripps logo, but the Cats can't once in a while. <laughs> that joke was thrown around quite a bit, but um, it didn't matter what the logo was. Skylar Thompson and Russ Yeast got to play against each other for a little while. I thought Russ, I, I thought they both looked fine. Like, I didn't have too many issues. Skylar did have that one fumble, I suppose, which I actually didn't see that play. A little preoccupied, but I was trying to keep my eye on the TV as much as I possibly could. But Russ looked pretty good in that first drive. Uh, made a big play towards the goal line at the uh, towards the sideline or at the sideline. Uh, 
I, I just I, I don't see an event like this that can really like skyrocket you when it comes to your stock and also just plummet you. I, especially if you're a defensive guy and you're not allowed to like your defense is not allowed to um, blitz and you can't play man on man. Uh, you're playing zone the whole time, which I, I'm it sure is Russ, Russ, I'm sure yeah. would prefer to play cover two anyway or whatever. But um, again, just no real issues. I thought they were both fine. Yeah, the and I had a, a radio show with Coach Weber that night. We got home, turned it on, and uh, very fortunate that that Skyler was at that particular moment driving the team down and and through the terrific fade for the two point conversion pass, which was perfectly thrown. Uh, didn't really see much of Russ, but in just what I have heard and, and what, what I've read about it, I, I think he played very well. Um, but again, you have to keep everything into proper perspective. You just have to uh, – I've said this a long time, and, and this isn't my revelation. This is other people saying it, that you, you just have to impress a couple, you know. Get get somebody interested in you to give you a shot. That's, that's all you can ask for, you know. I saw after the game Russ East did an interview with one of the – you know, mock draft websites uh, like Draft Diamond or something, and he was asked a number of questions, just like you know, what's it like being a player and having this opportunity. And he was also asked if you had the opportunity to talk to one player, past or present, that has made it to the professional ranks, who would you pick? And he, I, I loved his answer. He said Dion Sanders, really, because he wants the advice to know how to become big time. I was like, well, if there's a guy to ask. It's Deion Sanders, especially if you're Russ East, a secondary guy, one of the best corners to ever play in NFL. But he also, you know, he played Major League Baseball. Sure. At the same time, he was a he was a Brave and a Falcon mm-hmm. for uh, at the same time for a while. So if he can make it in two sports, that would be the. And now he's a coach, so that'd be definitely a guy you want to pick his brain. I, I will say this about Russ, and 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 got to be careful how I say this. I don't want to for this to come off as that I know him real well. But in the small dealings that I had with him, I found him to be a, be a very intriguing young man uh, just based on his past and what he had done prior to coming here. And then the obvious part is is how well he played here, how well he fit in here, all of the things that he did in a short period of time here. He, he was an exemplary guy. And uh, I, I really, frankly, mean this. I, I hope he gets a shot because I, I think he could, in the right scenario, not only get into a camp but but make a roster. And that's that's what you want. Well, it, it, when I continue to read through that interview, he also mentioned he's taking his prep towards his pro day next month mm-hmm. very seriously. He's training three times a day, not skipping days, three times a day in Florida. So, you know, he's going to work pretty hard to get ready just for this pro day to be sure he's in the best shape he can possibly be in because he knows he does have an opportunity to make a splash when it comes either to the draft or picked up as an undrafted free agent. It's going to be one or the other, and he's going to get his opportunity. I was looking at draft websites, and nothing has really changed when it comes to the stock. Skylar Thompson still graded as a seventh-round type of guy. Russ Yeast is kind of on the outside looking in, Mm -hmm. but it's still – I still think a, a somewhat of a decent chance a cat gets picked up. Yeah, I, again, I'll be repetitive in saying this, but I think all you want is a chance. And if you do well enough in the times that you're afforded a shot to be seen, that's where it's at. You know, and, and the East-West Shrine was that. And hopefully you can, you know, have other opportunities pre-draft to, to work out for teams. And sometimes I think it's a good thing for those guys to – 
to do the individual team workouts because they really get a chance to to really study and, and talk to you and get to know you a little and know the not just the body but the person a little bit you know I mean and that's that's um, I think that's a, a big part of it I, I really truly do you it's hard to measure heart too as we all know uh, a lot of people can see you know the god-given skill set but you know, a, a man's makeup, too, sometimes is, is pretty important in, in trying to get this thing done. We'll take our final break of Hour 1 of Wildcat Insider, and when we come back, look a little bit back into last week in the Big 12 as one team has started to build a lead in the Big 12 standings. That's up next. Wildcat Insider with Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson. Well, I tell you what, the Kansas Jayhawks, they picked up a couple of huge wins this week to give themselves a little bit of elbow room in the Big 12 standings with wins at Iowa State and felt like they were pretty comfortable most of that game and then just absolutely steamrolling Baylor who didn't have their leading scores so Kansas has put themselves in a decent chance with seven or eight games left in the season to uh I hate to say it but it kind of feels like you know they're kind of back into a comfortable spot and even in that Iowa State game not having Ochai Baji get yeah, that victory. That's where I was going to go because you know at the time going up there uh without your leading scorer is a little bit dicey regardless of who you are but boy if you notice they really got good quality play from a couple of other guys who hadn't done a whole lot including the Yesufu kid who who played really really well and I thought that was Dwan Harris's best game that I've I've seen this year, and then they just dismantled Baylor. Who, frankly, and and again, I'm not making excuses for Baylor, but it'll sound like it. They started out 15 and 0, and they're four and four since, and a lot of that has been with injury. They've had three different guys hurt. It makes a difference. They played without Cryer on Saturday. Would they have still gotten beat uh, in Lawrence with LJ? Probably, but I think it'd have been a little bit different game too. Now, I, the other game I wanted to bring up because it was. I mean, people were calling Texas Tech the best fan base in America after this one. The <laughs> hardest paced place to play. Nobody wants to play in front of these Tech fans after the Texas game. I wasn't able to watch it. I went to Elton John that night. But you, you told me you did watch it. Just How fun was it just to recap and see the, the atmosphere that took place there in Lubbock? Well, they were juiced to the max. Yeah. If it's a scale of 1 to 10, it's 110. They were ready to kick Coach Beard's butt. Uh, and that's, I mean, they were locked and loaded. Um, and, and they played well. You know, they've got a really good team. They do a great job of defending. They're, most nights they're pretty decent enough on the offensive side. They're 11th in the net, to give you an idea, and they're back in the top 10 in the, in the, in the regular ratings this week. They're good. Well, coming up in Hour 2 of Wildcat Insider, we're still hoping to be joined by Gene Taylor. Not guaranteed. He's traveling right now, but we'll see. But I do want to talk more Nigel Pack, plus preview what's coming up for the Cats and the men's team this week in Big 12 play. Hour 2 is coming up next on K-Man.